Gospel reading for this morning is taken from John's Gospel beginning in the third chapter at the first verse and John wrote these things. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you still do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O God of the day and of the night, come to us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us new life by water and the Spirit. Remake, reshape, and renew us through your sacrificial love for us in Christ Jesus. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. All right, first off, just a couple quick things. We need to know that this story follows a real familiar pattern in John's Gospel. First, a person asks a question. Jesus answers. And this is generally a hard to understand answer. like you must be born again. The person, in this case Nicodemus, 
misunderstands. Jesus answers again. Only this time, it's even more cryptic. And then a teaching follows. If you read through John's Gospel, you will find that this happens over and over and over again. It's one of the main ways that Jesus teaches people. So, I think right off the bat, we need to look at this story and realize that it is significant that Nicodemus is even named. Most of the people that come in contact with Jesus, we don't know the name of through the course of the story. But Nicodemus is named. And Nicodemus is also a prominent man. And he's named again twice later in the gospel. I'm going to go down a rabbit trail in a minute because I want you to know the rest of this story. But we know that he is a ruler of the Jews. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night with pretty impressive credentials. He's a Pharisee. He's a leader of the Jews. He's almost certainly a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin will be instrumental in Jesus' crucifixion and arrest. But Nicodemus will try to obtain a fair hearing for Jesus and will bring 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes for Jesus' burial. Nicodemus is a story within a story in the Gospel of John. I just want you to hear the, briefly the other two appearances of Nicodemus. You've heard this one. Um, this is in chapter 7, verse 40 to 52. He reappears. This is the Sanhedrin. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. And others says, oh, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over Jesus. And some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. And the officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, Well, no one ever spoke like this man. And the Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law, is, that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, Well, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. That's the second appearance of Nicodemus. The third appearance of Nicodemus is after the crucifixion of Jesus, and he shows up with Joseph of Arimathea. Story within a story. This is the end of the story of Nicodemus in Scripture. It goes like this. This is from chapter 19. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. And Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. 
So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So you know, you've heard the rest of the story of Nicodemus. It's important to spend some time with this, because the last thing that we hear Nicodemus say in this story is, how can these things be? So we're never left to know whether he really accepted what Jesus had to say or not. But if he hadn't accepted what Jesus said, would he have stood up for him in the Sanhedrin? Would he have showed up at the, at the crucifixion with 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe? Do you know how much money that costs? So rich Nicodemus risks himself at the end of the story, but now, at the beginning, he's under the cover of night. And he probably comes so that he won't be seen. He's a man of significant reputation, and Jesus is a newcomer. He's an unknown quantity. And in John's Gospel, the way the story begins, before Nicodemus comes, Jesus has just been involved in a super controversy because John front-loads his gospel with Jesus overturning the money changers' tables in the temple. This has just happened right before Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night. So you might understand why he comes at night. It's his reputation. He's not sure quite about this Jesus, although he's heard him preach and seen some of the things that he's done but it's still a huge risk for him. And people are still trying to figure out, particularly the rulers, is Jesus a prophet or is he a troublemaker? Now, that's one reason. The other reason is that in mythology in particular, night is associated with unknowing. And John loves double meanings in John's gospel. So we can say that he came at night so he would not be seen but he came under the cover of darkness because he really didn't know Jesus yet. He didn't know Jesus yet. And you know, when we think about that, I think that many people can relate to Nicodemus. They're good people, they're responsible people who make a good contribution to life, but they just don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Now, for the most part, the people who surrounded Jesus were ordinary people, right? They were fishermen, farmers, laborers, tax collectors, but not Nicodemus. Nicodemus came as a man of wealth and privilege, and while others were condemning Jesus, Nicodemus, to his credit, wanted to learn more about the Lord and his teachings. Now, you need to know that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He lived in a boxed-in world where everything made sense. He and his group of Pharisees, the most learned of the day, they created rules to protect their understanding of that world. And now along comes Jesus. And after hearing Jesus speak with authority and upon seeing the signs, the mighty acts that Jesus did, curiosity got the best of Nicodemus and he was intrigued and he wanted to know more. He recognized right off the tick that what Jesus was doing had to have been of divine origin. And he thought of these acts as signs. This validated Jesus' relationship with God. He presumed that, presumed that Jesus was sent by God, though there was much that he still 
didn't understand. So he comes to Jesus and he says, well, we know you are from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And by the way, where is God in my life? And Jesus says, well, the cryptic answer, no one can even see the kingdom of God without being born anew again, without being born from above. So Jesus responds to Nicodemus's greeting by immediately cutting to the heart of the issue that concerns Nicodemus, the coming of the kingdom of God. Now you need to know this, although the kingdom of God is a well-used phrase in the three synoptic gospels, in John's gospel, that phrase is only used twice. And both times it's used is in this encounter with Nicodemus. So clearly then, the coming of the kingdom of God is centerpiece to this dialogue. It's the focal point of Nicodemus' questions and concerns. So Jesus gets right to it when he declares that the requirement for the entrance into the kingdom is that one must be born again. Now in Greek, man, I can't even keep track of two blasted pens. In Greek, this word is anothen. Now, here's one of the problems with our English or our American, better term probably, language. We have a hard time with words that mean more than one thing. Anothen means again or anew. It also means from above. How do we convey that in the English language? We don't very well. So what we tend to do, and as you read your scripture, you'll find that the version that you read either chooses this or this. They very rarely try to get both of them at the same time, yet I'm telling you that I think the theologically correct way to look at this is to presume both. You've got to be born anew again, and it's got to be from up above. It's something that Nicodemus just doesn't understand. It's something that we often don't understand. Just like the kingdom is often referred to as now and yet to come, entering this kingdom requires one to be born anew into a new life and identity and to be born from above. That is, from the heavenly place that the kingdom generates from. And being born this way is the work of God. It's not the work of human beings. It's the new birth that the Holy Spirit gives. It's mysterious, like the blowing of the wind. And this new birth is the door to eternal life. Now going back to Nicodemus, he knew the law very well. He was an expert his education intended to prepare him for every scenario of life. Yet Jesus said, you must be born again, you must be born from above. And I can guarantee you that this had not been covered in any class, any seminar, or any book. It was an ask from Jesus to move totally from being in your head 
to also being in your heart. Now Nicodemus no doubt prided himself on his intelligence. The community respected a person with his pedigree and training. People looked up to him. He was a pillar of the community, but he just couldn't understand what Jesus meant. How can this be? I submit to you this morning that there comes a time when every person decides whether or not to enter the kingdom of God. And it requires a new birth, a starting over, a new beginning. And this happens only because of God's grace. Nicodemus got to where he was because of what he had done, because of his work. And the life that Jesus now promised could not be earned, it couldn't be bought, it couldn't be achieved through some sense of entitlement. The only way to receive the abundant life which God offers us through the gift of Jesus Christ is to experience radical change. And it's difficult to understand. So Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Because his preconceptions of what is possible intrude on the conversation and prevent him from embracing Jesus' words. And these are the last words of Nicodemus in this story, although I told you he appears twice more. So as we meet together today, we know that Jesus was often misunderstood. Jesus came to us because God loved the world. And even though that phrase is the first Bible verse most of us memorize, it's still hard for us to understand. Because you see, God doesn't just love us. God doesn't just love people like us. We're told that God so loved the world, that God gave God's only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, the world, through him might be saved. You know, we remember those this weekend with whom we have walked some of this life journey and who've gone on before, who know the truth of this promise. And I really think the Beatles got a lot of things right. But I think they got this right when they said, yesterday came suddenly. It's true. Cherish your time here. It moves quickly. But we're surrounded by saints who cheer us on. To God be the glory for that truth, both today and every day. And I think that's all I gotta say. Any questions? Comments? Thanks for listening.